The New York Red Bulls will be in Kansas City to take on Sporting Kansas City this weekend, as we always like to do here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Catch up with some of our players on our podcast network. On this episode, episode eight, Kamar Lawrence talking about importance of family, his connection to his home country, and his path to Red Bull New York. Evan Lauro joins us as well. His development as a homegrown, his time as a Michigan Wolverine, and does he or does he not have the best hair in Major League Soccer? I'm Matt Harmon. This is the New York Red Bulls Radio Network, and we're kicking it on our Players Only Podcast. more as we get this latest edition of our players only podcast kicking it up and going uh as we were doing our mic tests you immediately had everybody in the room starting to laugh and giggle that is your personality in a way right trying to keep things light trying to keep everybody i'll say uh pretty pretty upbeat yeah it's um it's a caribbean thing um where i'm from i'm i kind of um grew up that way to keep it chill and uh, always kind of break that ice in the room, always trying to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible in the room and even on the field. But um, I do have my days when I'm serious, but most of the time that's on my f- on the field. Well, definitely on the field. <laughs> you are fierce. You know, you, you think of how things have developed for you over the last couple of years here in Major League Soccer, capped off with last year's best 11. I know what a tremendous honor for you. Um, but thinking of the way that you play on the field, it is almost in a way opposite of the way <laughs> that you act off the field. Every every Everybody I met, um, every everybody I come across says that um, if – if you judge me based off my um, on the field um, attitude or performance, then you'll you'll think I'm a, like a serious guy straight through. But I'm, I'm like one of the most chill guys you'll ever find. But it's 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 just that switch, you know. You gotta have that, and uh, I feel like I have that when I train as well. So I I understand the difference between um, when it's work time and when it's um, time to play around. So you definitely have to have that. Is it that simple for you? You know, players on in all sports on all levels they talk about that switch. Some and some guys have it, some guys don't. Some guys are serious all the time, uh, off and on the field. And for you, maybe a little bit of the opposite. When you are getting ready for a training session, when you're getting ready for a game, what goes through your head mentally to actually do that to flip that switch? Honestly, uh, as soon as I drive into my training facility or drive into the arena or I'm away for a game that automatically just chips in that this is work time how am i gonna get myself and my teammates ready and prepared um for the next opponent we face yeah we smile on the field sometimes when good things are going on or even sometimes a little joke when something bad happens but you have to have that line and you know that this line is oh now it's time for business you get me this is not a play thing you can't just come to training and play every day or laugh every day then it's going to be the same on the field that's why some people it gets um some people bring it into game and they don't even realize because it's something that they do constantly constantly in training so it just automatically becomes um that that person personality when you said before it's a caribbean thing coming from jamaica 
you probably have, I'll say, a stigma in a way that you have that kind of chill attitude. When you came here first to and and were signed by New York, were, were there any hurdles that you feel like you had to maybe get over so that people didn't think the chill Kamara Lawrence off the field might not be the player that you've become on the field? Um, to be honest, there there there's always hurdles. Um, always. Um, and that started even before I came here. Um, the first hurdle was you as a player coming here and knowing you're not the starting player. Um, that you start to think about that. What what do you do? Um, how do you approach training? Do you approach training like okay, I'm not starting, um, so I'm gonna be um, um, completely laid back, or, or are you gonna be aggressive, pushing, knocking the door, wanting a chance? When you get that chance, taking it with both hands. So there's always been um, different hurdles. It's just um, I feel like my approach to that hurdle um, is the reason why um, I, I keep jumping over them. You think about your um, entry into Major League Soccer. It, it's interesting because I think a lot of people forget that your first opportunity to play with an MLS team was with DC United. Came up for a trial in 2014 before you were signed by New York in 2015. Were, were you disappointed that maybe that, that didn't work out? I don't mean disappointed that ultimately you wound up with New York and you have such a, a great uh, home here and you've become such a big part of the, the franchise and the opportunities that you've had. But from the fact of you come and the first team in Major League Soccer takes a look at you and it doesn't necessarily work out. Um, and um, you asked me earlier if um, there was any topic that's kind of touchy that I wouldn't speak on. And probably it's not that I wouldn't speak on this. It's just like it's a lot more thought went into even coming to Red Bull that than a lot of people know. And one one was like my grandma. After before that whole DC thing, Jamaica went on a um basically a European tour. So I had like a four or five games. I was just um I was in England, I was in France, I was in Switzerland. So I was just playing like I played four or five games in the space of like three to three weeks, something like that. And that including traveling and everything. And I actually picked up uh, a little tweak on my hamstring. Um, and on coming home, um, my agent called me, Damani Ralph, called me and he was like, um, DC want, wants you to um, come try out for um, a week. Um, this is when I just arrived in Jamaica. And at first I'm like, Damani, you know my hamstring isn't fully better yet. So he said, um, no, they saw you play the games. They like you. They just want you to come around the guys, see how you fit, um, and then maybe have a couple training sessions because my hamstring was basically just really getting better. I didn't really do any tough training sessions. So I was like, all right, it won't kill. Um, I went there for the first couple of days, um, didn't do much, got some treatment, did some light um jog did some work with the um trainers and stuff like that and then for the last couple of days um um actually got in some training work <coughs> um at the end of that week um the coaches just said um they'll get back to the money when the money called me said it wouldn't work um and i was i wouldn't say i'm f I, I was fine with it but um in my art and my mind i was okay i i i wasn't 
disappointed. I just didn't want to go on another trials because I'm like, I just played against um, Egypt. We just played against France. We just played against, um, I think it was Serbia. I'm like, you just saw me. You just saw clippings of these games against um, teams with top, top players. And I'm playing against I, them. I, I'm playing against them. I'm shutting them down. So what? 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 Why do I have to go on a trial? So when the when Damani called me and was like, "Yo, um, Red Bull wants you to come over," I was like, "No, bro. I'm not. I'm like, nah. I'm not going. I'm like, I'll stay and I'll play in Jamaica till um, somebody decides they'll spend their money or whatever for me." And at this time, my grandma was a grandma was alive, and she's probably the closest person ever to me. And knowing me, called her up. Um, we were having a convo. Um, this came up, and we were discussing it. And she was like, she was just said, "What?" She was like, "Get your blah 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 to New York and get to New York." I was like, "Really?" She was like, "Yeah, like, do this one for me." I'm like, "All right, say no more. Got this." Um came and I decided like um, anything for my grandma I'm gonna give it my best I'm like alright I'm gonna give it my best and and you're still for, here for two weeks for for two weeks on trials it was just um, I had I had I'm not I'm not even gonna lie I had fun I felt like I was even a part of the group already and on that day that the team the, 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 that camp break I was supposed to leave to go back to Jamaica and, and Jesse just told me like you're not going back to Jamaica, you're you're traveling with us. I'm like, yo, I only brought t-shirts and shorts, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> 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 he tried to freeze me, right? <laughs> so he said, yo, you're going back to New York. I'm like, call that money. I'm like, you couldn't tell me I'm going back to New York, bro. He's like, I, I didn't even know, bro. What are you talking about? I'm like, all right. Um, and you know, from there I'm here. Um, when I actually got to New York for the first couple of training session, I just told Jesse that. My personality and the way I am is I'm not overly aggressive towards certain um, specific things, but I'm not the type of person that's going to be on the bench and be like, yo, I'm on the bench. That's good enough. No, you want to play? I want to play. So I told him that. And I'm like, I'm, I'll try my best to not let it come off in an angry, disrespectful, or any kind of manner, but I'll be knocking at the door. And as soon as you give me a chance, I'm going to make it happen. Well, and that chance for you would actually come in a pretty unique atmosphere and environment. Yeah. You would play DC United DC, in your right. first MLS game, <laughs> which for for you, being as prideful as I know that you are, that was probably the perfect way to start hey, your MLS was, career. I'm not even going to lie. That was fun. That was so fun. It was just, it was just like a reason to like, to just prove to everybody like, yo, Caribbean players, especially players from Jamaica, you have a lot of players that give their hearts and soul to like a lot of different MLS clubs, and I feel like they they don't get looked at as the the way that they should get looked at. Sometimes they're overlooked, and you know, for conversation, sometimes when you hear people talk, even about like the best right backs in the league, I know on my team you got Amir, and I know like he's one of the best, but you also you got Alvis Paul that's been like a top right back for, not for one or two seasons but consistently playing like 85 90% of games starting to so it's 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 
when I step on the field, I have to, I'm not only representing me in Red Bull. I'm, I'm representing the whole Caribbean, but every single body. And when people see me play, it kind of lights them up and it kind of drives them to be like, yo, we can we can do this too. We, um, Kemar is an example. And when people even ask me, yo, <coughs> do you want to stay at Red Bull forever? I'm like, I'm like, that's <laughs> I always wanted to play in the best leagues in the world. MLS is one of those leagues, but you got England, you got places. I want to I want to play Champions League one day. As a player, I can look at you and tell you that honestly, I want to play Champions League one day. But while I am here wearing the red and white or the silver and red. Nice plug for the uh, new kit by the way. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I'll 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 make the best of it. When you think about growing up in Jamaica, um how because you, you've brought up now a couple of times growing up in the Caribbean and having, you know, that connection to soccer maybe be a little bit unique once you come to a place like the States or any other league. Um, what's it like growing up in Jamaica and your and your connection to the game? Did it start early on, right away? Pretty young. My father um, <clears throat> was a professional. Yeah, my father was um, um, the best goalkeeper in the Caribbean that I heard from the Jamaica Football Federation. Um, and my father had a lot of kids, to be honest. <laughs> and I'm probably the only one that played soccer. So it's it's really funny and unique at the same way. And every every time somebody from the Jamaica Football Federation sees me, they're like, yo, you walk like him. You talk like him. And I didn't really have that relationship with him growing up. I didn't know him. He so wasn't guiding so, you to play you know, soccer. So I didn't know him, so to speak. But... I, I grew up with a whole soul of um, my three uncles, and all of them play soccer in Jamaica. So it was like competition after competition. It was, like, and they, it's so funny. Like you couldn't put those three on the same team. It'd be fight. It'd be, <laughs> and it's we have to go to the same house each and every day. We have to go back to like our grandma's house to have Sunday dinner or whatever the case might be. And you couldn't put them on the same team. So I got that drive and that fire from them. And they didn't, growing up, they didn't play me easy. As a 13, 14-year-old, I was smacked in the wall. When my grandma see me, my face was bruised, my eye was cut. She was like, yo, what's wrong? I'm like, they did it, but I'm like, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta be tough. That, that's what it is. So there, uh, to be honest, they, those three guys was really the guys that really started me off to really push me and stuff like that. Kimar Lawrence joining us here, our Players Only podcast on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. It is called Kicking It. We invite you to make sure you subscribe as you listen to us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, wherever it might be. Uh, a couple more minutes here, Kamar. Want to talk and go back to, you have referenced her a couple of times in this interview, your grandmother and the relationship that you have with her and even the rest of your family that you still have in Jamaica. Because I would have to imagine, even though it's not a considerable, you know, it's one flight away. You can you can be down there, and I I do know that you go back frequently during the course of the year. Um, what's it like to still have that connection to your home country? Family is family. For us growing up, you never you never leave family. You stay close as possible to family. And um, thanks to God, my mom is here too. My mom lives in New York, so every now and then I drive over there, and we we spend a lot of time together. Um, but 
two of my uncles are here as well, yeah. So um, I have that family connection here too. So sometimes it's kind of good that I don't always have to go back home. Um, but uh, it's just, I feel like growing up, um, you have what you have. You know what I mean? You have to make the best of what you have in the circumstances that you that's presented to you. And my life wasn't easy, and I refuse to talk about my life in a way because a lot of people brush the things you say aside because when you talk about it, they, they're like, um, just the next kid from the ghetto or whatever, and you made it out. It's it's not like that. It's never like that. People face a lot of different things, and sometimes for them to overcome it, it's 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 literally a miracle. It's just a blessing from God. Um, and I went through a, a whole lot of different things that I I never spoke about before, and it's just amazing that I'm even here right now. To be honest, when when I look back. And it's a thing that I heard one time, and and, and I always tell myself, you know, I gotta be better than where I'm from. Not in the sense that better than the people, but I gotta come out to show the kids that's younger than me that yo, there is a way, and you have hope. Cause honestly, my house got burned down two times growing up, two times, um, same year. Starting of the year, ending of the year. My cousin died right at my, literally in front of me when I just got back home from Vancouver. Because I went to Vancouver. Um, they had a residency program. I was in their residency program that year. Went there for a year and a half. Was playing for a little bit. That year when I got home, my cousin got shot up like right in front of me. Um, I had to move out and leave my mom because <clears throat> where my mom lived and where I was playing football, it was far and I had to <laughs> go to school. So I had to leave like five in the morning to get to school at like seven. And then after school, you know, I have to go training and then, you know, training's in the evening so I won't get home to the middle of the, of the night. And then it's just that, so I'm like, yo mom, I gotta go. I gotta go stay on camp a couple of days of the week, sleep here. I'll have my stuff here. I'll get myself ready, and I'll, I'll and I'll do it this way. And I'll come up, come home on the weekends to stay with my, cause I still have, I have a younger brother, and two younger sisters. So I was just trying to balance that out with my mom, so she doesn't feel like alone. You know, I love hearing that you take the fact that you want to be a role model for so many people because I think that's a theme within the entire team and organization. Some of the guys do take that um, very serious, and it, and it's probably difficult to balance as a professional athlete because, as you said, you have goals, you have your own aspirations, um, you balance time with the Jamaica national team. We'll talk about that in, in, in just a second. But going back and forth, you know, your connection to some of the other guys that are on the roster and have been on the roster over the course of the last couple of years, probably a real good situation here with New York and with the Red Bulls because if you're trying to grow into, a, a, I'll say, a better person, in addition to being a better player, you have some pretty good guys to connect with and look up to. Yeah, you got Luis, Brad, Sean, Tim, Aaron. The list goes on. You, know, you got some 
really good role models here guys that and uh they, they probably didn't go through life easy either and but they got their life together and that's something to aim for so each and every day when i see these guys i don't have it in my, in my mind that their life was easy they've been through what they've been through they probably never spoke about it but they probably been through stuff everybody goes through something but they got it together and i look at that I'm, and then some days i'm like yeah um this is where i want to get to you have become a mainstay <coughs> with your national team um and as you continue to look for other opportunities there I, i'd ha i'd be i think remiss without asking about the goal against mexico <laughs> highlight of your international career so far yeah um definitely is but um when I get asked this question, I still go back to um, if I had it anyway, I probably wouldn't score the goal. If if I knew at that time and that place that anybody on the field could kick this ball and it would go in the back of the net, I probably would have let somebody else kick it. Because I'm not all about the highlights or whatever. We got the clean sheet. I'm a defender. That's what I loved mostly. <laughs> but that was a more spiritual time in my life than ever. And a more emotional time because I was still in mourning. Because somewhere around that time, I lost my grandma. So I was still in mourning. And as I said, when I went to kick that ball, it was two things on my mind. God and my grandma. And all of my, I just wish at that moment in time I, she could see me kick this ball because everything in me told me I was going to score. I didn't know how, why, but everything in me told me I was going to score. And it, it was a good goal. Um, it, was, it was a good goal. But you know, I'm just happy um, for the team I could do that for that bunch of guys, you know, um, to see the smiles after in the locker room. Um, it, w it was amazing. I couldn't tell when the last time we had beat Mexico till then. So um, that to itself was something amazing. And when I went, when um, all of us went back home after that for a game, you know, we saw the fans coming out again, people kind of cheering for us again um, because um, as a national team, we, we wasn't doing um, as best as we could before that. So um, that moment kind of helped join some fans and stuff like that obviously would like to think and i'm sure you do too that your grandmother probably did see you score yeah. that goal from wherever yeah. she was um let's finish with this one so far it's been an up and down year for this new york red bull team and you talking about as a defender i'd rather the clean sheet than score a goal so in this time of maybe some some ups and downs and maybe a little bit of frustration what has kept this unit together trying to now move forward start to pick up wins start to pick up points get back on the right track if you look at if you look at our team we haven't just came together we, we we've been here last year we've we have been through bad situations um we have we lost a couple of games last year maybe not three in a row at home but we lost a couple of games and we had to get our act right and what did we do we did that. When our backs are against the wall, we find a way to get results. We don't point fingers, we don't complain, and we don't find issues. We find results, and that's what we are gonna do. Find results, get wins, get clean sheets, 
and ultimately get get cups and trophies. That's what we want. And that was always an aim coming in this year. MLS Cup, Supporters Shield. Every trophy that we can grab, that's the aim. The aim probably isn't to play the beautiful football like everybody wants to see. We have a structure. We have a system. And we're sticking to that system. We believe in our system. And we know it's going to work. It doesn't just come over time. It doesn't just come over two, three games. We have to come to training, get the details right, and we have to do it every single day for hours and hours and hours. And it, it, it includes the video room. So that's what we're working on. And anytime we get that right, we're, we're going to be amazing to watch. Kamar, I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us the time. I feel like in, in almost now 25 minutes that we've been talking, we have barely scratched the surface of things that we can talk about, which means that at some point during the course of the season, we got to have you come back. No problem. If that's Anytime. okay. Anytime. That Anytime. is Kamar Lawrence. We'll look forward to seeing him back on the field this weekend. We will take a quick timeout here on our Players Only podcast, Kicking It. When we return, we'll talk with homegrown goalkeeper Evan Loro. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We are back here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network with our players-only podcast, Kicking It. And as we always like to do, as we say goodbye to Kamar Lawrence, we say hello to one of the uh, homegrown players for this New York Red Bull roster. That, of course, is Evan Lauro, who we talked about in our Open, uh, fresh off the training pitch today. And as I learned as we came into this room, this used to be nap time room for you? Yeah, yeah, back uh, when I was in the academy and they uh – they first opened this this training facility. I I train with the first team, and I'd have to stay and either train with uh, under 16s, under 18s, and I'd have a, a couple hour gap. So I'd just come in here, lay on this couch, take a nap, maybe watching TV, and yeah, just chill. You know, you've been part of this organization for a really long time. Um, thinking about so if you if you're a younger player, as you just talked about, U16. And you had an opportunity back then to train with the first team MLS guys. What was what was that like for you? Um, it was really great. I mean, my first time really integrating in with the first team um, was uh, when Mike Pecky was the head coach, and you know Thierry um, and all those big name guys were here, um, and you know they were really great to me. The, the first my first day, Thierry introduced himself to me, which is pretty weird. Should have um, worked the other way yeah, around, right? Yeah. I mean, I was just a scared little kid, and I'm, you know, put my head down in the corner, and he comes up, he's like, "Hi, I'm Thierry." I was like, "Yeah, no, I know." <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I know who you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, from from there, I I went to my first preseason when I was in high school, um, and it was really great. And you know, a lot of the, I know a lot of the guys, same guys aren't here anymore. Um, but you know, Ryan Mara, Connor Laid were there. Um, they helped me immensely. You know, integrate, and you know, when I ended up signing I had trained the whole summer before with the first team Jesse was really good with integrating me also um so it wasn't really uh that big of a transition I kind of just fit right in 
Tell me about as you as you grow up, and I'm thinking of other conversations I've had with with some of the other homegrown guys, or even in the case of, of Tyler before he before he left, his situation uh, his situation being a little unique. Maybe a Ben's, Ben Mines kind of comes to mind. Um, when you have the big commitment that academy players do, but you're a guy that's trying to go to high school and probably be a normal teenager like everybody else, mm-hmm. it, it is a little bit – it's got to be different, though. I mean, you talk about I'm in high school and I'm getting introduced to Thierry Henry. Do you go back to school the next day and, and just be like, hey, guys, this is what happened to me yesterday? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I ended up playing high school soccer for maybe two months my freshman year. Um, and it ended up working out because my dean was uh, my high school soccer coach. So he was, like, pretty cool about letting me miss school and go train with the first team if I needed to. But, yeah, you know, those are those guys in high school were the first ones to be like, yo, like, what's it like? That, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. You get definitely get treated a little different. Um, uh, but it's a, it's a really cool experience for sure. Did it get you, like, a better prom date for senior prom? I, I, I didn't even want to go to prom. I, I actually – so one of my friends basically just came up to me and she's like, do you want us to go together? And I'm like, ah, I kind of don't want to go. And I had, so the prom was on a Friday night and I had to leave for a national team camp with the under twenties on a, on that day. And I convinced them to push my flight back to give me a red eye. So I went to prom for maybe 30 minutes, took all the pictures and then I just left. Um, but it definitely had its perks for sure. All right, so you have always struck me in any conversation or any dealings that I've seen you be around everyone as a pretty lighthearted, easygoing, I don't mean on the field, but mm-hmm. easygoing, fun-loving guy. Is that Evan Laro kind of to a T? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously on the field it's different. I feel like I'm, I turn into a different person. I'm really kind of locked in and kind of laser-focused. But off the field, you know, I try to have fun. Um, pretty lighthearted guy. I like to crack jokes, but at the same time, I know when it's time to get serious, I'll get really serious. So, but yeah, I try to keep it keep it light. You know, we've asked on some of our earlier editions of this podcast guys that that probably regard themselves as being pretty funny, like a Derek or somebody like that. Where's Evan Loro in the pecking order of funniest guys on the team? <laughs> I'm definitely not that funny. I mean, um, I'm more of a guy that likes to listen. Um, and I'll throw in my You're a cents. listen and react guy? Yeah, yeah. I like to analyze the room kind of. But, um, yeah, I, I give my two cents here and there when it's needed for sure. Difficult decision for you to leave Michigan? Um, yes and no. I mean, I at first there was conversations of me not even going to college, um, and I was pretty bummed when it didn't work out. Um, and then I was – supposed to leave after my freshman year but then with you know the regime change and everything like that it kind of fell to the wayside um but then at the same time I I ended up making some of the best friends I've you know from the rest of my life at Michigan um I went I played three seasons so I stayed two and a half years um and I wouldn't trade it for anything um but I definitely think it was the right time for me to to leave and you know, make the jump and challenge myself for sure. You know, it's got to be a, a challenge. And again, the other guys that we've had, homegrown guys, a Sean Davis, a Derek, Alex, uh, some of the other guys, it, it has to be a, a difficult decision and process because mm-hmm. you're you're measuring, is it the right time for me to leave versus do I finish and try and get my degree? Yeah, so what, what weighed on my decision 
especially at Michigan, is they have a program where I think it varies from sport to sport, but if you leave after two years, at least for soccer, and you go professional, you can come back and be on whatever scholarship you were on. So kind of made a deal with my mom a little bit because my mom's real go to school yeah go to school you get your degree and then you can do whatever you want um but that was kind of a little bargaining chip i had i was like listen mom i can leave and i can come back and you know it's free and all that stuff so i think that you know michigan did a really great job in helping me make that decision have you been back since you you left in 2017 I I went back twice um, just because one of my roommates was still back. So um, I had a couple guys because um, I left early. So the the class above me, a couple of them, you know, they play in the USL and stuff like that. So whenever we all had a break and we could all go visit our one friend that was still in school, um, we would do that. But I, I've only been back two times. But I haven't been in like over a year. When you think of and and the, one of the reasons that we came up with this was to get really a personal look at everyone. I mean. You, you, in a way, would exemplify what so many kids grow up thinking about because you watch college football and you mm-hmm. see Ann Arbor and the University of Michigan and people uh, flock to a big school like that. What's it like just being an athlete on that campus? I, I would have to think it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. I mean, uh, you know, my, my family's, you know, from Spain. We're all Europeans, so football – wasn't really a huge thing. It was always soccer. My, you know, my dad was born in Spain, came here when he was in his twenties. Yeah, there's a U instead of two O's when you talk yeah, about football. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't, you know, follow it growing up. I didn't, you know, realize how much of a big fiasco it was. And then um, my visit actually it was in the winter, um, and I went to a college hockey game, Michigan hockey game, and it was like wild. It was like. 15,000 people in this in in Yost Arena and it's you know I I didn't know anything about this but it's like one of the most legendary arenas in in college sports um and then I went back later that year in the summer and I went to a football game and like I saw on the Jumbotron they had 50 consecutive years of having over 100,000 people at every game and I'm like whoa this is wild um and yeah definitely my you know my mom's side so my uncle is, you know, he's very big into college sports, and he's like, well, you're going to Michigan? Like, that's crazy. And I was like, you know, I didn't really think anything of it. And then I went, and, you know, you just get treated differently. People think, people see that you're a student athlete at the University of Michigan, especially around that area in Ann Arbor. It's, you know, they look at you different. So it's, it's definitely a really cool experience. And I would have to imagine that your hatred for Michigan State, Ohio State, other teams within the Big Ten runs pretty deep. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. Cause those rivalries, right? I mean, mm-hmm. every sport has rivalries. But when you talk about Michigan-Ohio State, that's legendary. Michigan-Michigan State. Mm-hmm. You guys generally dislike each other. Yeah, so my freshman year, I, you know, I, like I said, I didn't know anything about, you know, college athletics and all of these, like, rivalries and stuff like that. And, you know, I was, it was explained to me, and I'm like, you know, I, I really kind of hate everybody the same. If they're not on my team, I hate you. That's the way I look at it. You know, I'm pretty cut. It's an interesting way, Evan, to go through life. I, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're not on my team and you're trying to beat me, like, I don't want anything to do with you. Um, but, you know, I got those those feels in those games. Like, it was something different, and there's a little bit more in every tackle, and it kind of just grew within me. You know, we just – yeah, we just don't, don't like each other very much, both schools. 
Evan Loro joining us here, our Players Only podcast on the New York Red Bulls radio network. We call it Kicking It. Um, we are rolling through after talking and spending some time with Kamar Lawrence, getting to know Evan a little bit more uh, on this episode. So you sign your homegrown contract January of 2017. Um, most of the time in 17, 18, you spend time with, with New York Red Bull 2. Mm-hmm. And, and then in the midst, you sign your MLS contract. What is it like for you, and I will say, to, to go back and forth? Because today's a perfect example. Today you're training with the first team, which you often do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, as probably you often do also, you stay after that practice and then um, kind of work with the USL goalies and the younger goalies. Mm-hmm. You're almost, if you look at the, the structure of the team right now, Luis Robles, Ryan Mara, and Evan Laura was almost the bridge mm-hmm. between the USL roster and the MLS roster. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a good way to put it. Um, you know, for me, especially when I signed, you know, I'm not an unrealistic guy. I know I know Luis is a legend here, uh, Ryan also. Um, I knew, you know, that it was going to be hard for me, and it's definitely a process. Um, but for me, the most important thing, and, and, you know, in speaking with Preston, is, you know, to get games and get experience because keepers can play a lot longer than – Anybody than, else. Yeah, than field players. So, you know, I don't anticipate retiring – at 35 I want to go until I'm you know Buffon hopefully but um and into my 40s um but I think for me the the worst thing a a keeper can do is just kind of you know sign and sit on the bench for years and years and years and that's why I think the USL program that we have here is so good because you know even you see Ryan go down and he gets games that just so he can stay sharp and you know, I get a lot of games, which is which is really good. So I think that's really helped my development for sure. New York Red Bull, too, off to a good start so far this year as well with a couple of wins and a draw. Have you dried out from Alabama last weekend? Oh, yeah, it definitely took a while. Um, it was it was pretty – I've never been part of a situation like that. I've never had a game – you know, I've had a game like where there's a lightning strike and you wait 30 minutes and you play. But, um, yeah, we got like 15 minutes in and then there's lightning and – we end up waiting an hour, and then there's the rule is like once the last lightning strike hits, it's, you have to wait 30 minutes. And we got to the point where there was like five minutes left of that 30 minutes, so we're all like warming up, getting ready to go back outside, you know, taking drinking some caffeine, and then like boom, another storm comes, and we have to end up sitting there another hour and a half trying to wait the storm out. And I'm like super jittery with all this caffeine. I'm <laughs> like couple of guys were just doing push-ups in the locker room just to kind of release all this energy um and yeah it ended up I, I think what ended up canceling it was um the sheriff had to pull all of his people off because you know it's overtime um and like I don't think he wanted to do that so I think that's what ended up getting the game canceled and we were gonna have to stay until whenever because the league I think really wanted us to play that game especially because we started and we had a, a 1-0 advantage well and listen too it's not so you're here in New York, New Jersey. It's not yeah. like you run across Birmingham, Alabama all that yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that, that, that's, that's actually an interesting one. I hadn't heard that. So we're going to have to call and make a complaint the Sheriff's Department of Birmingham, Alabama, for shutting the, shutting yeah, no. the game down. It's all their fault. All their fault. All their fault. Um, so here's a couple other ones for you. Preseason, the last couple of years, I have noticed you, especially in Arizona, where I seem to take more note of it than even in Florida, you seem to be driving a lot. You are in charge of at least a van from day-to-day operations. Is that a young player thing, or is that Evan saying, I'll take it, I got the keys, I know the route? This is Evan saying nothing, and the keys just getting thrown at me. Uh, you know, I, I 
don't understand why. I know I'm a really good New Jersey driver, and I think all people from New Jersey drive really well. Um, so I think that's kind of just been the responsibility that's just been placed on me. I, I never asked for it. I don't see other people saying to give it to me. Um, I think just our team admin just kind of saw me in the lobby waiting for the van, and he's like, here you go. So, You're it. Yeah. And you have not relinquished that role the last couple of seasons. No, I think once I did it the first time and I did such a good job, I'm there 10 minutes early, boom, I, I kind of just – Well, you know it. what they say, if you don't want to do something anymore – at some point, you know, maybe make a, a left instead of a right. Yeah, no, I could be and, late and be a little late to yeah. training, and then all of a sudden you're not the you're not the guy that everybody thought you yeah. uh, were. How about um, the relationship that you have? And I, and I actually talked about it when we were in Mexico with Ryan Mara, um, and I said you're the bridge maybe between the USL and MLS, and he's kind of the bridge between you and Luis and the relationship that the three of you guys have. Mm -hmm. I, I loved what you said before of being realistic and looking at the guys who are ahead of you on the depth chart a little bit. What do you learn from working with those two specifically on a day in day out basis? Yeah. I mean, I, I learned a lot, I think from the time I signed to now and, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm with the first team maybe 80% of the time. And then a couple of days before USL game, I'll be with USL. But, um, so I really get to, you know, kind of dive in and, be around those guys all the time and you know it doesn't even necessarily have to be them you know pulling me to the side and talking to me it's kind of just watching how they work um but even saying that you know after every usl game that i play like you know ryan and and luis their lockers are right next to mine they're like talking to me about a play and something like that and they're like oh like you know i really like what you did here like you know this was a really good play or you know i would have done this this way maybe differently and and it's something to think about and it'll definitely helped me uh, kind of develop and it, it's been really it's been really great they're really helpful how difficult is it for you as a player mentality wise and in and probably even understanding that yeah you're going to go down and play most of the usl games mm -hmm. um but but training mostly with the first team and then maybe not having that connection that could be really important with the guys that play in front of you mm -hmm. in a day in day out usl game of which the roster can be so yeah. different from game to game anyway but you mm -hmm. don't even necessarily train with those guys most of the time yeah i mean it's it's definitely uh it's definitely a little little hard to get used to um and like you said it's always kind of interchanging but that's kind of what we do here you know our philosophy allows us to you know guy comes in you know take an, a, another guy and plug him right in and it's kind of you know a seamless transition so I, I mean it's difficult for sure but you know after a couple of weeks of training and you know those guys are always in with the first team also there's there's really good you know interchange between the two teams um so it makes it a lot easier Ryan uh, had the fill-in for Luis last year and then was injured at the beginning part of this year, which means you are essentially the next man up. So mm -hmm. you've had those opportunities to travel yep. with the first team last year, this year uh, in the Champions League, the beginning of, of the season. What are those experiences like for you? I mean, they're definitely really cool. Um, you know, the way I look at it is it's, it's a soccer game. Whether I'm with, you know, the first team or USL, I try to not get too high by the highs or too low, low by the lows. Um, I kind of just look at it the same, um, but it's definitely, you know, it's different looking to your right and you see Bradley Wright Phillips, for sure. It's definitely different. Uh, two more quick ones before we let you go. All right. The first, um, and again, thinking of you walking in the door here, getting ready for this, you mentioned that you think you might have the best hair, not just on the team, but perhaps in the league? No question. 
Hands down. Hands down. Not even just the team. You're taking the entire league. Anybody who wants to challenge it, go ahead. Or should, can we throw MLS and the USL in there? Absolutely. Both. No problem. All right. So we, we should probably, Gordon, tweet that out at some point. A self-proclaimed best hair. I don't know if you want to say self-proclaimed, but. Well, you are you are proclaiming it. Yeah, other people have said it. Okay. I won't. All I right. won't divulge, but other people have said You just it. take it and go with it now. Yeah, you know, I mean, All I right. accept it. And lastly, um, as I was talking today on the field with, with a couple, you know, birds that were flying around, mm-hmm. there's there was a story that was relayed to me that you kicked a pretty long field goal when you were at Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 60 I'm, yards, did I hear? Yeah, so we had this, you know, kind of, they had this promotion, and it was uh, – we had the we had a game the same day as the football team. It was called, like, football before football. Um, so you, they, you rolled your eyes as you said that. Does that annoy you that I, you a, had to play second fiddle maybe? To? I mean, it's a little cheesy, but, I mean, I'll roll with it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they uh, – I know they had, you know, these videos, and they had their – their kicker kind of you know kick a soccer ball into a goal or something like that and then I had to kick a, a football through you know some uprights and you know I was in the cassette Michigan they have like an indoor football facility so I kind of wanted to see how far I can get it so you know I I don't know the right technique to kick a football I'm pretty sure it would get blocked because I just kind of line drive it but uh the first one I'm like maybe out the 30 and then easy I do it right left foot both and then I just keep backing up keep backing up and I, I ended up making it from the 60 so it's 70 yards because the end zone is mm-hmm. 10 yards um and i i mean i smashed it and it was like a, a nice little video that got passed around campus and they're all like yo you gotta you gotta kick on the football team and all this stuff and i was like I, you know like i said before yeah I'm, you know football's not really my thing i definitely watch it more now having been there but um i just play soccer and have the best hair yeah yeah exactly you said it there you go that's a pretty good story 70 yeah. yards out that's a that's a legit Kick. Yeah, no, I don't mess around. So if Evan Laura wasn't playing in Major League Soccer, an NFL team could give a call. It might still happen. Who knows? It might still happen. Appreciate you coming by, giving us some time. Look forward to seeing you uh, continue to develop between New York Red Bull 2 and the New York Red Bulls on the MLS side. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Evan Laura wrapping up our Players Only Kicking It podcast here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. We thank Kamar Lawrence, Gordon Stevenson, our main technical guy. I'm Matt Harmon. We'll see you this weekend in Kansas City. Is that a wrap?